Hi everybody, I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kurtzke. And I'm James Doyle. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 96. The Books from April. Pertaining to Green Lantern, in case that was not already inferred. Yeah, this is the, uh, the second volley of War of the Green Lanterns. This is, a. Uh, we'll be two-thirds done with this story arc by the time we're o- over tonight, and yeah. Two-thirds? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, three chapters of each. So then, yeah, wait, so then, like, that means that tomorrow, when three issues come out... Yeah, that's it. That's it? Yeah. Wow. No, they set they set this up so that the war would be over before the movie comes out. I think there's one more issue of Green Lantern out after. Uh... I could be wrong, but I think so. I was looking at it earlier on. I don't think so, because I know there's like a two-month gap where there's no Green Lantern issue. I think it gets mm. replaced by that aftermath thing. Oh, that's right. So yeah, we're how how much did you think was left of it? I thought we still had a few months. No, 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 no. Actually, I'm just looking at the DC website now, and like tomorrow's one is 66, and then 67 is out in June. I think that's the final part of the war. The epilogue. That's what it says here anyway. Is it is that the epilogue or is it like no no? Part 10? It says. Says the blockbuster war of the Green Lanterns comes to a universe-shattering conclusion. Okay, so. oh. and that comes so out. One. That's like two months from now. That's uh, June, June twenty-ninth. Oh, so a month. <clears throat> okay, so yeah, so we're two-thirds yeah. through. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we're all shocked, shocked and amazed. Okay, so uh, let's let's get this show on the road. We got uh. Part four of War of the Green Lanterns in Green Lantern number 65, uh, written by Jeff Johns as usual, drawn by Doug Mankey, and inked by, what, an army? Or is it just two people this time? Uh, it's usually Monkey plus somebody else plus somebody else. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, inks. Keith Champagne, Christian Alamy, Mark Irwin... Mick Gray and Tom Ningurian. What? <laughs> Might have said that last name a little wrong, but, you know. Nagayan, mm. something like that. Oh, there it is. I'm thinking, I can't even find the title page. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of them. Nugent, I think. Tom Nugent? If you switch the G with the U, his name is Nugent. And if you put a T at the end, it's Nugent. Like Ted Nugent. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Well, if you swap the O for an E, it is... No. And the M with a D? <laughs> oh my god, Ted Nugent wrote, inked, drew this book. <laughs> colored? Why not? He colored it. <laughs> okay. What happened in this thing? <laughs> <laughs> okay. In this issue, we see that uh, Kilowog has been captured by Krona, and... Uh, you know, Kilowog is trying to stand up to, you know, to Parallax's influence and everything, but since he's so close to Krona and the central power battery, when Krona slips Kilowog's ring back on, he uh, is unable to overcome the influence. Meanwhile, over in Sector 2000, the, uh, the ice world that they've labeled the Greenhouse, uh, Guy Gardner and Hal Jordan 
are searching for a secret hangar that uh, is going to have some sort of, uh, you know, basically their salvation. And it's a a rocket ship, a spaceship, that is apparently the, the fastest in the universe. I don't know if it uh, has won any races or anything like that, but uh, they're making this bold claim that it's the fastest in the universe, and since we have nothing else to go on, we have to listen. So, Hal and Guy, they... Uh, they hop in the jet and fly to Oa, and they're they're there within minutes. <laughs> Pretty cool. Um, and as soon as they get there, who's uh, who's knocking on their door trying to get their attention? But Kilowog, who is you know now under Krona and Parallax's control. But uh, Guy and Hal they they escape and uh, they had set their course originally to find Kyle and John Stewart. So their little escape pod takes them directly to them. They're not sure, you know, what they're going to do without their green rings because they're, like, you know, a long way off from the central power battery to get Parallax out of the battery because that's that's one of their plans. So that's when Hal pulls out his little pocket full of Skittles, magical Skittles that uh, are actually power rings, and tells everybody to, uh, you know, taste the rainbow. And... uh, Pick their pick their color, um, and they all you know pick their their ring that they want to use, and we close on a splash page of all of them in their new costumes. Hal in Sinestro Corps garb, we have Guy as a Red Lantern once again, we have Kyle Rayner as Blue as how many millions of people have guessed? Well, maybe not millions, but. Most of the people reading Green Lantern have probably guessed at some point Kyle would be blue. And, of course, as I have, uh, as I mentioned way back with the Secret Origin episode, uh, you have Jon Stewart in Indigo. Now, after reading this issue, yes. I looked at the forum, and, like, there, like, back when this came out, I can't remember if it was our board or the CGS section or whatever, but there, there was at least a few people who felt like the first half of this issue was a waste of time. Pretty much. Yeah, like, do we agree about that, or is it... Yeah, filler. Because, I mean, the Krona thing, like, I can say, like, it, it is just giving us the information we knew already, but at the same time, it's, it's, you know, you know now Krona knows, and Krona not knowing that they're they're running around free was like one of the one of like two things they had going for them. So that advantage is gone now. Right. No, nothing. All right. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess so. Yeah. But uh, they. I mean, by the end of the issue, they deal with that. So. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Uh, like, but what was weird was the whole ship scene. Because yeah, so I mean, for one, they spend like six pages building up to a trip that lasted two pages. Yeah, and like I can't decide. Like it was, it was cool. Like the the concept that they have a ship fast enough that can cross like a quarter <laughs> of the universe or however far it went that quickly. That was cool. I like that. That's like a high concept sci-fi thing. But at the same time, like, did the expediency make it pointless? And, like, if, if you were going to get them there that quick, 
Couldn't you just, like, had them crash land on Oa instead of going to the greenhouse or whatever? Like, what was the point but, of putting them on the ice planet to begin with? But then they would have been attacked straight away without um, without being able to overcome the Corona's uh, influence. Uh, that's true. Well, I mean, like, uh, I, okay. They had no idea, you know, the, the full extent of everything. So, and they couldn't, like, they couldn't get in touch with anybody that was on Oa. You know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, you know, instead of going to Oa where you can't reach anybody, which is really weird, you know, you would think, you figure, some, you know, it's compromised or something's going on there. So, you head to the fallback place and, I mean, like, it, whatever happens, you you have this, you know, emergency ship to get around, you know. In case anything happens, it makes a lot of sense because, you know, with well, well, Hal Jordan himself, the last time he went crazy, and the you know the rings all went out of juice. Basically, everybody was stranded wherever they were. So by putting out a call, head to the greenhouse. It's like okay, well, if anything's happening with your ring, then you go there immediately. Because if the ring happens to crap out, that's where you want to be. At this place where you have this, you know, this fail-safe device, basically. Yeah, I know. But just, just the speed at which they got from the greenhouse to Oa almost makes it seem pointless to spend all that time on the greenhouse trying to get to the plane so they can fly to Oa. You know, it's like they flipped a light switch and then were just magically on Oa. Well, I mean, I think I think the majority of that is, is filler. I mean, like, I, I think this issue is basically, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe not so much filler, but um, this is, like... Moving, moving the characters to where they need to be to finish the story, kind of. Uh, not even that. Like, um, this... Well, this is Green Lantern. You know, this is the main book. So if people aren't buying any of the other books, you know, like, and they're just reading Green Lantern, then I don't remember what happened in part, well, the last time that we were in this issue, I guess it was part one. Um, but maybe, like, this is, like, if you were only reading this, then... Well, the last part one, I believe, ended with, um, you know, Hal flying off, uh, like he was trying to talk to Guy Gardner, and they were yelling about meeting at the greenhouse, and hmm. then Corona put the entities in the Guardians, and we got that splash page, which kind of mirrors the, the ending page of this issue. So, I mean, it picks up pretty well from that issue. Yeah. But, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the, the only other thing with the ship, its operating system... Is named I don't know Aya A Y A. Yeah. Is that something? Because I recognize that and I couldn't find anything. Um. <laughs> it might not be anything. I just feel like I've seen that before and I have no idea. I I, I didn't recognize it as anything. I don't um, think I've ever seen it before either. 
six months from now I'm going to realize what it is and just <laughs> scream. <laughs> like, I, th- I liked all that stuff on the actually on the planet and before they got on the ship because there was a lot of kind of character stuff between the two of them. And I know it wasn't very like fast-paced like anything. It was very slow. But you got a good kind of banter between Guy and Hi- Guy and Hal. I thought I thought it was good luck. Like. Yeah, I mean, I You don't get much of that lately. I agree. It was it was well written um and it was entertaining, but I mean like for the point of the story, I mean like when you have like so many things happening on so few pages and then so little happening on so many pages, it seems disproportionate, I would say. I think mm. that's that's what, what people are, are talking about. All right, yeah. Though I do agree. The guy, especially when they get on the ship, like from when they get on the ship to when they fall out in the sewer, like the guy howl back and forth is really good. Like that was fun to watch. All right, so the main event here. The crash got, landing on Ella? Oh, yeah, sure, that. <laughs> when um, when Hal uh, pulls out his pocket full of joy. They, yes. now, now, first of all, congratulations to us for being completely right about everything. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, though, am I alone in feeling that, okay, they made all the right choices... But it almost felt like they did it for the wrong reasons. Like it, it almost felt arbitrary. Arbitrary. Like yeah. Like like with how okay the fact that Hal can't use any of the other rings didn't play into his decision to pick yellow. And like John's is totally random. Like he's like ah I'll take orange. <laughs> and they're like no 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 you won't. And Kyle you know I mean we'll get to this in Green Lantern Corps but. Kyle didn't pick blue because he's just a hopeful guy, and nobody said, uh, Kyle, you're really hopeful, you should take blue. He just up and picked blue because he thought Ganthet would want him to or something. Yeah. I read that, I'm like, what? He hoped Ganthet. Oh, that's better. (laughs) I mean, like, Kyle, when he picked, you know, he did say, I, you know, he's like, I have hope, I know that. So, I mean, he, he definitely picked... And, I mean, kind of, Guy Gardner definitely, as well. Oh, you know, Guy's was fine, you know. I mean, I mean Guy was always a, you know, a good candidate for for a red ring anyway. So, when it comes to time to pick again, like, I mean, not only does he know how to wield it, but he also has experience with it. So, I mean, like, for those, for those two, okay, definitely. With Hal, like... You know, he says that he can use the yellow ring because he has experience with fear. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I think I think it is a better explanation that he has experience with parallax. I think that I mean, it's, that's a, that's a much better justification for it. It's I don't I agree that it should help towards it, but I don't I would not call that a better reason. I mean, you run down the list of all the other rings. Like we did this on the episode. I mean. He's not going to take red because he knows what happens to him if he does that. He's not going to go for orange because for all the same reasons that he told John not to do it. He he knows from experience he can't make blue work. <laughs> he just found out that, that you know what, the indigo rings might brainwash you. And his entire 
history with Star Sapphire is Carol being mind controlled by the power source of the Star Sapphire. So he wouldn't go for that either. It's like, like it makes total sense for him to pick yellow, even if you just go on what eliminates all of the other ones. Yeah, I think that he could use the Star Sapphire ring. But nobody wants to see Hal in the swimsuit. No, no, that's that's for damn sure. And I love that line from Guy. You know, like, all right, if we're choosing, I'm going to go first. I won't get stuck wearing a crystal thong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and well, let's, let's talk about John's John selection, though. Because out of all of them, his is, his is the absolute most arbitrary. Because, He's like, yeah, whatever, I'll take this one. <laughs> yeah. I'll take orange. That one looks the prettiest. You know, and basically, he doesn't get to choose. Like, when he goes to choose, like, first off, he gets last choice. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's first off. He gets last pick. It's like, uh, whatever, I'll just, I'll take whatever's left. And, yeah. and how's, yeah, how's like, how's like, pick your poison as he slips the yellow one away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and how's like, it's like, oh, you want orange? Can't have it. Pick another one. Oh, wait, no, I'm not even going to let you pick. I'm not even going to let you pick between the other two that I'm going to let you, you know, pick from. I'm just going to give you compassion. John's not good at writing Jon Stewart? That's that's shocking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh... I forget who it was. Somebody made the case that Jon Stewart would be good for love, too. I think I agree with that. Yeah, I could see that. But, I mean, like... With his history with the Marines. Yeah, yeah. You know, with, with his new history with the Marines. <laughs> 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 definitely more, you know, he definitely has compassion. Like, that's without a doubt. Yeah. He has no idea how to wield it right now, but he definitely has compassion. Yeah. Speaking of the Marines thing, I'm so glad they gave him, like, like a combat fatigues inspired costume instead of like the regular indigo tribal thing loincloth yeah somebody on the forums had mentioned how like it makes sense because that is that was his tribe his his marine unit ah, i like that yeah. i like that i was just thinking of because like okay hey Let's take the one black eye in the entire series and stick him in a tr- in like tribal outfit. Yeah, that, <laughs> that won't that won't be racist at all. Yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Put him in the pink bikini. There you go. <laughs> Something for everybody. So what do we like the art in this thing? Like I I'm fine with the art overall, but like shots like that that page where Hal's just handing the rings, he has the fistful of rings. They set that up so well because, like, he's looking directly at you. Yeah. And he's handing, he's he's telling, he's handing the reader the rings and telling them to choose. And that was, like, it was a really well done page. The coloring on it was especially good and effective. It was a really well done piece. The only thing that I don't love is the design of the rings. What do you mean? They're... I mean, like, you know, we know ring ring designs change from artist to artist and sometimes from page to page. But these are essentially what, what these look like are the almost like a wedding band, except that, you know, 
one part of it is slightly raised with the indent for the symbol. Yeah, that's how Doug Monkey always draws them. Is it? Yeah. I don't... No, it is. Uh, I don't love it. Yeah. This is the first time they're, like, shoving a fistful of them in your face at once and saying, Look at these! Yeah, I, I, I definitely don't prefer that look. Oh, no, me either. But, uh, I mean, you know, it, it does look good. It's just, it looks weird compared to, you know, how I know a, a ring to look. Yeah. I mean, it looks better when it's on their, their fingers. Um, you know, the page where they're all putting the rings on. Cause it mm. is, it's more raised up then. Yeah. The only note I have left on this issue is how I, I thought it was interesting how on, uh, the second page, Krona, who's been, you know, you know Krona by now, and he makes a comment to Kilowog saying that, uh, you know, they're trying to figure out Kilowog's resistance, and he says, you know, no, it can't simply be emotional, it has to be scientific. Which is kind of, you know, it's it's showing, uh, like, the guardian-ness that's still, you know, you know, Krona's all, he's, so far he's been portrayed as all about, you know, rejecting the guardian way of thinking and going for the power and importance of emotions, but he still knows how to stress the importance of the other side to figure things out. Hmm. He's a more well-rounded psycho. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did like the, the Sinestro Corps symbol in Kilowog's throat. I like the way that was drawn. Yeah, yeah that was cool. Um, and just one more note. Um... On the last page, the last splash page, mm. like, if you look at the ring on Guy's hand... Oh, yeah, it's a different ring. It's completely different. Oh, yeah, they went with the shape. So... Maybe you got mad at the design and changed it. <laughs> sure, we'll go with that. I think um, I enjoyed reading this issue more, reading the back now, because the first time I read it, I was annoyed in the second half with the... With the cover of GLC spoiling, what colors did I'll pick? Oh yeah, because they all came out in the same week. Yeah, yeah let's talk yeah. about that for a second because they they ended up double shipping Green Lantern and Green Lantern Core. Like it's they came out the exact same day. They were next to each other on the shelf, and the the cover to Green Lantern Core spoils the end the entire issue of Green Lantern. Yeah, <laughs> and you would think I would be more pissed about this. But, like, this happened, like, I got this shipment right after Super Show, and I was like, alright, look, I can either spend Super Show paranoid about getting spoiled for something, or I can just, like, read the thread and see what's up. So I decided, you know what, I'd rather be able to talk to people if it comes to that. So I saw the thing, and it's, it's weird, like, I saw the cover to Green Lantern Core, and my reaction to it was kind of just, oh, we were right. <laughs> yeah, probably because we, I guess, put so much thought into the debate and everything like that. Like, we already saw it going down in our heads. Yeah, I mean, like, if if the cover was, like, Hal as Indigo and Kyle was yellow and John was whatever, like, then I probably would have been like, what? But this was just kind of <laughs> like... Like, in my head, we were already there anyway, so it's like, eh, alright. Well, it'll be interesting to see is, yeah, 
you know what comes what happens tomorrow <laughs> yeah. as as we record this it's the night before the <laughs> next like before the may books come out all three issues are coming out in the same day and we'll be right next to each other <laughs> on the stands yeah well, it's terrible planning look yeah. i'm thinking about calling up the comic shop and asking them to to grab you know uh grab part Seven, eight, and nine, and seven can be out in the open, but eight and nine, like, bag it with a with a uh, a backing board in front of the cover, and just like the number, uh, okay. you know which part it is. Okay, grab these three comics, put them in a, a paper bag. I will walk in, hand you exact change. You'll hand me the bag. I will leave, <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully my eye doesn't stray to the wall with the varying numbers. <laughs> no, you'll like. They'll like put an issue of Batman in there. You'll get you'll get like Batman, Chew, and like Green Lantern Corps, and then you'll <laughs> be sad. And they'll all be the free comic book day issues. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of Green Lantern Corps, James, you want this one or should I do this one? I shall sure do it. I don't right. think as much happens in this one, so I'll I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So it starts off with a uh, Gantt fighting off. What looks like all the core basically that's on Oa and not really doing a great job, even though he's a guardian and is supposed to have more power than all the core. But anyway, he gets he's getting surrounded by them. Then we cut back to the the four guys standing there looking cool in their new costumes. Guy is getting angry and they're trying to decide what to do. And then we see John struggling to use his ring uh, at all. Then we cut back to Gantis and he's basically just standing there covered in like. Guardian blood getting destroyed. Um, and then we cut back again to the other fellas. It just jumps around all over the place. Um, where Kyle is now charging up uh, all the Green Lanterns who are coming to attack him because of his blue ring. The four of them decide to go f- try and find Gantis. Um, as they're flying, there's a big massive explosion uh, where Gantis is. And when they get there, he starts giving out to him for picking the colored rings. But then more Green Lanterns turn up, and then all of a sudden a big blast comes from the sky, and they look up, and there's a giant Mogo floating over them with a big yellow poison symbol. And that's the end of the issue. Yeah, I don't think it's possible for Mogo to show up without it being awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So, okay, one of the, the biggest things that I picked up on this was the fact that Jon Stewart has an indigo staff, which is yeah. like, well, first off, it's a combination of a staff and it's like kind of in the shape of a rifle. Yeah, what's that about? That's just weird. I, I mean, like, I, okay, I'll give him the, the rifle shape because that's what he associates with. But I mean, this is basically like them telling us that when you get the ring, it manifests the lantern itself. Yeah. Well, that happened with Ray Palmer right. in Blackest Night. Exactly. So, like, what I'm thinking <laughs> is it makes sense because, like, for one thing, the, you know, the Indigo, you know, batteries, it's, they say that, you know, it, it takes them a little while to, to recharge because there's so little compassion out there. And they don't actually charge up from their batteries. They are the the staffs rather. They're charging up like what they use their staffs for is to 
like siphon off other um, other lantern energies and you know and redirect it. Yeah, hmm. maybe. So it makes sense that the ring can manifest it. But then, why does the ring need to manifest it? Why couldn't the ring just do that as it is? Like, I mean, I think I don't think the battery is like a construct of the ring. I think it's the same as any other lantern battery where, like, you can pull it out of, like, a pocket dimension or whatever, and maybe the ring's just preset to do it automatically. Mm. Yeah, but maybe. that would that would imply that there was already a battery that looked like a rifle. Well, I mean... True. <laughs> I mean, like, why couldn't... Why couldn't the person who puts the ring on, like, why couldn't they influence the... Like, mold the battery staff into a different shape? I mean, we saw... Like you put a you put a regular Green Lantern ring on Rotlop Fan, his consciousness molds it into the shape of a bell. You know. Well, well, here's here's the thing with that. If you see everybody has you know their own batteries, um, and you know they say okay, you can you can mold it into whatever you want, then you know you go and you mold it into whatever you want. Um, <laughs> Or even, like, with Kyle, he molded the battery into, you know, a completely unique shape because he had no idea what a battery was supposed to look like. You know, so it was his his own mind, you know, doing it for him. Now, if John got this ring and all of a sudden, like, you know, a pocket dimension opens up and, a, uh, you know, the, the staff pops out, then, I mean, realistically, like, somebody gives you a free staff battery, you're not going to be like, okay, well, the first thing that I'm going to do is change the way that it looks. You're just going to use it as a staff battery, as opposed to if you are actually like, like this, this thing is looking into your mind and is like basically building a lantern for you. I'm not saying John did this consciously. Just like I'm, I'm sure John didn't take the time to think, okay, I'm going to put this ring on and I'm going to make it manifest a costume that looks like my old military fatigues. I think the ring just did it based on the person that put it on. Like, John puts on the the indigo ring. There's the obligatory momentary flash of indigo light. And it just... The, co- the, the fatigues costume just appears. And in that same exact instance the battery just appears already shaped by his subconscious into what it is. I mean, I guess it's possible, but the way I, I'm, I'm looking at this more to the idea that the lantern <laughs> is produced by the ring. Yeah, I really don't think. Like, it's the lantern's not a construct. I don't... I, I, well, I'm not looking at it, at it as a construct, but I... I do think that it's created by the ring. I mean, if John was in any conscious control of the design of any of this stuff, he would have had, like, like an indigo version of his regular Green Lantern costume. Anyway. <laughs> beyond all this, the thing that really bugged the hell, hell out of me about John Stewart in this issue was the fact that they didn't even touch the idea that the indigo ring controls you. Like they sh- they showed us all this crap with with um William Hand, and then they they all but flat out said it when um 
Hal and the Blue Lanterns were confronting uh, Squishy and Indigo One before uh, Krona showed up and did the whole crappy thing. And then they put, like, this would have been a perfect opportunity to really explore, like, what does the Indigo Ring do to the person that puts it on? And they just, nope, we're not going to do that. Nope. I mean, with some of these other guys, they use the um, the excuse that, well, they've used, you know, Guy Gardner has used a red ring a bunch of times before, so it doesn't affect him and the same way, but... You know, John Stewart, he doesn't have that because this is his first round with it. So it really, it sh- there should be no difference. Well, the the difference here is that this is John Stewart getting a ring. Now we know that he has compassion in him. Uh-huh. What we yeah. don't know is the selection process for every other Indigo Lantern. It could very well be that every Indigo Lantern is an emotional vacuum. And that's what makes them, like, you know, susceptible to the the mind control of the Indigo Ring. So basically, like, the parallax situation where, you know, if you already know fear, you've already been exposed, you, like, parallax can't sneak up on you, kind of thing. Similar. Similar to that. But, I mean, like, yeah, when, when you look at, like, we've only known one Indigo Lantern that you know, that like we know them before they became an Indigo Lantern. And that's Black, you know, Black Hand. Mm. And we know that he, he basically didn't, well, he definitely didn't have any compassion. Like he was completely devoid of compassion. Um, unless you look at it from the other point of view, in which he had the utmost compassion for everybody in a completely twisted way. I th- I think if you're looking at it as he had no compassion, it makes a lot more sense. Because if you think about uh, again of Ray Palmer back in Blackest Night, yeah, he was selected because he had compassion, right? And he had a lot of control over the ring then, right? You know, yes. he wasn't saying much. True. We keep forgetting about Ray. Yeah, yeah, actually, I completely we forgot. Him, we brought him up like five minutes ago. <laughs> him already. Good point, James. Good point. Thank Yay. God you're here. <laughs> um, I do like though the fact that they. I mean, it's through example only. They don't come out and say it, but I like the way they stress that it doesn't matter how much willpower you have, it, that will not make other rings work. John <laughs> even said, like, like he poured all of his willpower into attempting to to use an indigo ring the way it's supposed to be used. But I think there's a line later on in the next issue about how it's, it's difficult as hell to try and shoot compassion at somebody <laughs> in a fight. Well, the thing that I don't understand, though, is if he's compassion, then he can reach out and feel other emotions and mm-hmm. and gain their powers. Yeah. Well, it's it's not as simple. It's even, I mean, he does that. He, he, he locks on to Guy Gardner's rage, but he can't figure out how to do anything with it. Right. Like, again, he's approaching this as a Green Lantern. He's trying to will this ring to work properly, and it doesn't react to willpower. But but the thing that I'm getting at is he knows willpower. So why uh-huh. isn't he trying to siphon off energy from Green Lanterns? There's none right there. There, <laughs> there are in a minute. <laughs> Maybe because it's tainted by Parallax and he doesn't want to... Get tainted again or something? Somehow. Ooh. 
I would buy that. I would like that. Uh, I wish I said that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a possibility. Um, although, what I think is going to happen is that uh, in one of the next three books, they're going to deal with that that fact, and he is going to have to use green energy. Maybe. I mean, ultimately, I think John would have the same problem that Hal did in that, you know, okay, you, you try to, like, you're not going to be able to properly use these other energies unless you kind of accept and understand these other emotions well enough. Like, you have to embrace it and go with it. Like, the same with Kyle Rayner here. Like, Kyle is, like, one of the most hopeful characters I've ever seen in comics, and he can't get the hope ring to do what he wants it to do because he he doesn't know how to. Just just being a hopeful guy isn't enough. Yeah, I I kind of thought that he should have been able to. Well, first off, once again, once once Kyle, you know, once they're all being attacked, Kyle, and uh, you know, he his ring will work. Because he's in the vicinity of Green Lanterns. Mm-hmm. So, the fact that he can't do, like, anything with the ring is... I mean, I guess, yeah, they're trying to re-emphasize the fact that all these characters are green at their core. You know, and they, they don't know how to, you know, work these other rings so so well. But, I mean, like... They really should have, you know, a little bit better idea how to use them. Well, they can do the basic stuff. They can put up their fields and fly with it. But that, like, unless... I mean, think about... Like, the selection process for Blue Lanterns is really, really slow for a reason. Like, you can't just pop on a blue ring and be good to go. (laughs) I mean, the the fact that Kyle Rayner has been doing the Green Lantern thing for however many years in DC continuity as he has is probably the reason why he can even do as little with it as he can. I don't know. On an art note that, uh, that splash page to show, or the two page spread that shows us the four of them standing there. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was a nice little visual touch that, um, the only aura that's not crackling violently is hope. And it's the more peaceful one. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, I think I think they forgot which hand Hal's ring is on. Oh yeah, he's just shaking his fist at the reader for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know I if we're as long as we're talking about the art, um, generally I like it. Uh, I definitely like the way that Kirkham draws uh, Kyle. But like the the look of Hal in some of these panels looks kind of weird. There's a bunch of stuff in here that I appreciated. Like when John is like struggling to shoot hate, <laughs> like that uh that effect that's swirling around uh, around him and behind him as the ring just like like but like just doesn't work. Like that's a nice like atmospheric kind of effect to it. Um, uh, when Kyle's trying to shoot at the the attacking Green Lanterns, <laughs> like that whole page, like minus the top panel, like that it's it's like there's a lot of personality to his eyes, and you can see like the emotional shift in him, and 
plus like the construct of that hammer just looks awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, like seeing it cr- crash apart in the next panel, like that's really well drawn. Actually, the top of that panel with like the hammer crashing apart and every and everything below it almost looks like it's two completely different drawings. Like it just doesn't look like it exists together. <laughs> um, he does put a lot of detail into his art. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like the explosion, <laughs> the Gant that explosion, like a page later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let, let's talk about Gant that for a second here. <laughs> I, I have two notes about Gant that. First of all, action hero Gant that is pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, Gant that's powers make less sense than ever. <laughs> yeah. What, what did he say last last issue of this? Like, like, you know, I I still have, like, a fraction of my guardian power. It's not what it was, but it might be good enough to fight off a few of these guys. He's kicking everybody's ass and then lets out a nuclear explosion that just <laughs> flattens an army. It's like... Then a planet shoots him, and he's still pretty okay. He's not completely down. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean... As a guardian, he he should be powerful. Yeah, he should. So you should tell that to Tony Bedard, who keeps <laughs> trying to tell us that no, he doesn't seem to have his guardian powers. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, thought, I thought it was a bit cheap at the end when they had the page with Mogo shooting, and then the big splash page. Of him in the background, and then they had another page with him shooting again. I don't know you why know, they I don't know why they need to have the second shot. Like, it's kind of a waste of a page. Shows that he means business. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the line from Ganthet? Wear that ring much longer, mm-hmm. Jordan, and you will never be free of his corruptive influence. Yeah. Since when does the, do they do that? <laughs> I mean, is it the fact that it's Sinestro's ring? Because Guy wore that for a couple of years and he was fine. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Well, <laughs> Guy wore the you know Sinestro's ring when it wasn't considered a fear ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Semantics. <laughs> um. Hey, who knows? If only three of them are keeping their rings at the end of this, maybe Hal will stay in the Sinestro Corps for a while. I can't see that happening with the movie. They could... Uh, I mean, so haven't, I don't know. You, haven't you heard? They're relaunching all of DC in August. <laughs> they could relaunch Green Lantern as Yellow Lantern, keep the same numbering, or put it to number one. It'll be fantastic. I was, I was actually looking at the solicits for the next few months up ahead. And um, after the war, there's covers the show like uh, Guy, John, and Kyle, all as Green Lanterns. No so, and, and there's no Green Lantern issues after the war is over. So I think there's something going on there. Ooh. Oh, God. Sinestro for Hell <laughs> Jordan! <sighs> <laughs> oh, well. We'll see you anyway. Awesome. They totally won't do it. I hope they do. How awesome would that be, though? Like, they just decide, you know what? 
we're just going to play with this. And they just, they change the title to Yellow Lantern. And they just keep Hal in the Sinestro Corps for like a year. You get like two trays worth of stories and then you can put them back. That'd be really weird. That would be so cool. I don't know. Like he would be, he would be like Sinestro's begrudging apprentice or something again. Like imagine <laughs> that dynamic. Yeah, but I mean, like the, some of the things that the Sinestro Corps does, like how would Hal Jordan be able to justify that? War does Un- strange things to a man. Or unless he's going to lead the Sinestro Corps because Sinestro's still trapped in that book. Ooh, yep. Maybe he's going to try and reform them. I mean. God knows the universe needs an alternative to the Guardians army, right? Uh, maybe. The Blue Lanterns are religious nuts. They have like five people. <laughs> yeah, really. Everybody else is either evil or ambiguous. You gotta, you gotta get another, another good army out there. <laughs> what you go? I like how in a lot of these war panels, like we get tons of Green Lanterns. Yeah. Yeah. So many Green Lanterns. Just looking at the double page thing with Mogo, there's one there's one fellow in the middle whose head is on fire. <laughs> oh, the, Who is that? the ball of light. Oh, yeah. His head, it looks like it's almost Kilowog's body. Yeah, his, but... his head is like a, a ball of light. I think he's like sentient yeah. energy or something. Alright. I, I, uh, I like the robot standing there. That's Teacher. Then you got a. I think that's. Is that Goo or Gahoo or whatever the hell that guy's name is for the movie? Like floating up yeah, to I the think left. So, yeah. And uh, I think that's Ta under him. The dude in the hood. Can't be sure though. I like the. On the like top right, there's some dude in the background and he's just a blacked out figure with a little symbol on him. <laughs> like, I'm here too, yeah! <laughs> Shadow Lantern. <laughs> it's a badass looking Tomar. Yeah. Yeah. So, the other thing that I wanted to bring up was the cover. Yes. Um, and I guess we should mention that this was written by Tony Bedard. Uh, Kirkham, what was his, Tyler Kirkham was the artist. Yes. Um, it was inked by Bats. <laughs> <laughs> Batman. Um, the cover was done by Aaron Lopresti with Randy Mayer. Um, it looks like kids. <laughs> it's like Green Lantern no, Corps babies or something like that. No, it doesn't. <laughs> ha- like Hal's face, Hal has kind of a younger face, but what, you know, everybody else looks fine. I, even Kyle. Kyle and Hal both look like they're like 13 years old. No, they don't. They do a little bit. You're exhausted. It's like like 5 a.m. where you are. (laughs) What's your excuse for me? You're just stupid. (laughs) I'm telling you, they look really young. It kind of it takes away from the cover for me. I have to say, I love this cover. I wish the interior art looked like this cover. You're crazy. I'm just not. I'm still, like, I'm still not loving Kirkham's art. Like, there's definitely, there's, like, I even said, there's parts of it in here that I really like, but everything I mentioned so far is everything (laughs) I liked. (laughs) 
<laughs> everything else was like, uh, let's turn the page. Dan hates everything. Don't hate everything. Just questionable to bad things. Everything. God. Speaking of which, should we move on to the good book of the night? <laughs> <laughs> the good book of what? Did, did somebody bring the Bible? Yes. I'm going to read you. <laughs> read from the good book? <laughs> yeah. I wish the Bible was more like this. <laughs> <laughs> I could get behind that. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Green Lantern Emerald Warriors number nine, written by Peter J. Tomasi, art by Fernando Persarin, and color uh, inks. Where is it? Uh, bu- 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 bu. Oh, there's Cam only Smith. one inker. Cam Smith is the inker. <laughs> and. Gabe, Gabe is the colorist. <laughs> he has a last name, but we won't speak of that. Um, so it picks up exactly where the last issue left off of, you know, where Green Lantern Corps left off. Mogo's trying to shoot the humans, and the Green Lantern Corps is trying to shoot the humans, and everybody, everybody just wants... There's like a grid of fiery death trying to cut them down, and and, you know, the cords captured Ganthet, who, thank God, regrew his hand. <laughs> and, you know, the um, guy buys them some cover while they, they drill under Oa's surface so Mogo can't pick them off so easily. And there's some intense debate over what they should do. Should they free Mogo or should they try and yank Parallax out of the battery? And, you know, they decide to go for the battery, so how? Hal pulls this cool trick where he gets his yellow ring to make like a this intangible freestanding line they can follow to the battery and just kind of tunnel underground all the way there, all uh, 780 miles of the distance. Which, um, you know, they they're almost there. They make their way to the foundry, which I think I guess the the first and only other time we ever saw this was when Ganthet forged his own battery back in a. Uh, the beginning of Bedard's run on Green Lantern Corps. Um, you know, John arms himself with some uh, Manhunter pistols. Uh, Guy decides it's it's time to steal some shit, so he <laughs> he finds the gauntlet that Krona was wearing in that uh, Book of the Black flashback from uh, right before the war. And just as he's about to rip it off, they get attacked by this giant freakish monster that just lives <laughs> under Oa, I guess. And he's breathing fire, he's throwing everything around. Powering fire doesn't seem to hurt him at all. And Kyle's like, Kyle realizes, that, you know, you know, we do, we don't have to do this. So he talks the thing down, and now they're all friends. And turns out this guy's name is Shed. His name is Shed, which is weird. He doesn't have any fur or scales or what he, he probably sheds somehow whatever <laughs> um so um john notices on a console because you know the foundry kind of keeps track of mogo which makes sense because mogo disseminates rings mogo is shooting more rings out across space to find more lanterns and grow krona's sl- zombie army not, not zombie zombie but zombie zombie and you know this changes everything because now john and kyle both agree okay we have to go save Mogo so that more innocent people don't get pulled into this and Chrono doesn't get more powerful. And 
uh, who are the other two, Guy and Hal, are like, you're, you're you nuts? We, we're right here. We are right here. We're going to yank Parallax out of the battery and just be done with it. But they teleport away. So it's down to Hal and Guy to, to uh, get to the battery and do that whole thing. And Guy arms himself with uh, the gauntlet that Krona built. And just as the two of them reach their destination and start to try and drill up into the battery, they're attacked by, well, I don't know, would you call this minor resistance? You know, uh, all of the Guardians possessed by entities. <laughs> right there. Ready to to just make make it a bad time. What do we think of this issue? It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's the good book. Yeah. yeah. Kyle figured out how to uh, make blue constructs so that everybody could have yeah. a seat. Yeah. Which, you know, I... And, like, John figured out how to sh- make his gun shoot, too, which at first I thought, like, okay, those two right there, like, that's just an inconsistency... An inconsistency... <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can leave this in. Okay. <laughs> it's not consistent between the... <laughs> Between the books. But then I thought, well, well, if you wanted to, we could look at it as, like, their learning curve, I guess. Even though this all happens with, probably within, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it actually kind of goes back to, we were talking to Adam Withers a few episodes ago at Super Show, which I, you may or may not have been able to make out what he said on the recording, but... Uh, he made a comment how, like, if you stick a blue lan- um, a human lantern in the blue lantern spot, then all of a sudden DC would have no choice but to stop making them completely reliant on the presence of a green lantern, where they would have to start being able to do stuff on their own. And, you know, we kind of start seeing that with Kyle here. Really, though? Because, I mean, there's a planet filled with green lanterns right above him. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Not I to mention that. Mogo. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. There's a, <laughs> there's a planet sense. slightly higher above you that's a Green Lantern. <laughs> Although, out of anybody, like, anybody that, that does wield mm-hmm. a blue ring, you know, Kyle should be the one that can do things other than, you know, just the protective aura. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is also the first time, like, even with Green Lanterns around, we haven't seen a Blue Lantern make constructs like this like the only one i can think of is the when saint walker first appeared and he hit john with that catma construct and i think that was more in response specifically to john you know um whereas whereas kyle's just whipping up chairs and shit i thought we got something when uh near the end of the agent orange storyline when hal uh you know finally was able to use the ring no, he just expelled a whole lot of light. Oh. Speaking of light, on the page opposite the chair scene, that really bright panel, like the third panel down, hmm. are they all, like, making something? Like, what what's happening in that? They're all making, like, a drill thing to carve through the tunnel. Yeah. Okay. It's got all, like, all the different pieces all interact together. Like, I think it was, I thought that was a really cool panel. Yeah, because I looked at it, I'm like, okay, it looks like John's bracing it with scaffolding. Like, maybe that's what that is. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. Oh. So that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's a drill. Yeah. Um, 
And you know what? We're finally seeing the rings start to affect them, too. Like, like, like throughout this whole issue, like, Guile... Guile? Who the hell is Guile? <laughs> He's from Street Fighter. I never played Street <laughs> Fighter either, so that's really weird for me. Um, Kyle... You know, a little side thing. I keep calling Kyle the wrong name. Like, sometimes I call him... I'm calling him Guile. Sometimes I call him Carol. Like, what the hell? <laughs> but anyway, um, Kyle is, like, he's playing the peacemaker throughout this whole thing. He's finding nonviolent solutions to problems. Like, when they vote on where to go, like, I think he voted battery. Like, like Hal and Guy vote to go to the battery. John votes to go to Mogo. I think Kyle picked the battery just because that would be the majority vote and they could proceed, they could move forward as opposed to staying <laughs> there and being deadlocked, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, later when the, um, they encounter Shed... Like, he, every, he's the one to stop the violence. And, like, if you look at the panel where he's kind of standing in front of all of them with his arms out, like, there's a blue aura kind of blocking the other guy's rings. So I was looking that, at that and, like, huh, did he just suppress their fire kind of thing? Like, I thought that was cool. When they find the the city under Oa, like, what did you think of, like, all the things that they, they find there? I thought it was really cool. That the, like that the guardians would have all this stuff stored away, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna ask you, Jim. Are those scions? Yes. Those yeah, that has to be. So yeah, you know, you have the scions, then you have the manhunters. Um, I'm not entirely sure what those other android type things are, but I. Oh, wait a second. What are those things? Are you thinking of the fists of the guardians? No, no, definitely not. Um, <laughs> are you thinking of those little dudes that are kind of the middle step between the manhunters and the the Hala? Yeah, they they wore like little purple suits or something. Yeah, I forget. They they weren't. I don't think they were robots though. Probably not. They're like Hala. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. And yeah, when John picked up those guns, like I'm sorry, they look like toy guns. It's like he's gonna shoot like ping pong balls at the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't worry, guys. I found some Nerf. We're good. We're good. He seems to lose those guns as well. Then afterwards, he doesn't have them anymore. Well, he obviously put them in the same pocket dimension that he pulled his battery out of when the ring. <laughs> <you know. laughs> um, I thought it was really like okay, Guy Gardner like. Again, the rings are really starting to show their influence on these characters, and I love it. Like, Guy Gardner is, he's, like, extra spiteful, and he's taking really low shots at people. Like, like um, when they first start to debate over who, where they should go first, John's making the argument that, you know, look, we're not going to be able to do anything about the battery if Krona's got Mogo watching over it. We'll never make it. Yeah. You know, we, Mogo's a mission he has to be dealt with, and Guy just kind of turns his head and mutters, well... If anybody knows how to take out a planet, it's you. And I read that, I was like, I out loud, I was like, oh! <laughs> Bitch, please! That was, that was hard, oh my god. And like, the very next panel, you get to see the Indigo influence with John, where he's like, he's yelling about how, like, no, I'm not talking about taking out Mogo, I'm talking about saving Mogo. Like, he wants to to save Mogo above all else. 
And he can even justify it from a strategic standpoint, which I think kind of feeds back in on itself. I love in the panel just below that how sad John looks sitting in the chair. Yeah. It's just like he's been told off. He's like, oh, I want to go to Mogo. I want to go to the battery. (laughs) Uh, The panel right above it, like, tell me Hal doesn't look a lot like Sinestro right there. Like, even in what he say, he's like, he's like, control yourselves, damn it, or I'll do it for you. Like, that is a very Sinestro thing to say. Which, you know, maybe that goes to Ganthet's random line about, you know, that ring will corrupt you, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> or it, it could just be, like, the whole, like, you know, it was, it was, it was nice. It shows that, like, even the yellow ring isn't completely safe. Yeah. And, like, Hal came off as scarier right there, too. Have we ever seen Shed before? Because that's another name I kept looking up and didn't find anything. No. Never heard of him? No. no. Okay. Just want to make sure that was new. Yeah. I hope they explain that, because that's kind of a random... It makes sense they would have some kind of guard thing in place, but, you know, still. But yeah, even still, it's completely random. Um, I don't know. And he's got the Green Lantern symbol, like, inscribed on his head. Yeah. yeah. And, like, there's no ring, no powers, it's just his own natural stuff. He's a fire-breathing dragon. Yes. Maybe he's <laughs> Yalen Gurr. Yeah, that would be... Yeah. <laughs> Never. It's weird that, like, once he realizes who they are, he reaches into the pool, and you get a hologram of all four of them. Yeah. Like, that's weird. Like, I guess, like, they were trying to, I get what they are going for with confirming their identities and whatever, but, like, why did that do that? <laughs> yeah. Um... Is he, like, pushing their hands in the water or something? I think so. Oh. And at the bottom of the very next panel, he's just like, Peace, I'm out. <laughs> Protect, serve, green. <laughs> like, um, could you help us? Or, uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, um. I thought it was interesting that Guy took the gauntlet rather than Hal trying to take it. Yeah. yeah well, not even Hal, like, I really wanted to know, like, like, shouldn't Kyle or John have taken that thing? Cause... Yeah, John would make even more sense, because he doesn't, apparently he doesn't know how to use his compassion ring, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, neither of them have rings they really know how to use, plus, whoever takes the gauntlet, you know, conceivably, Kyle might be able to amplify its power. True. Yeah, yeah. But, no. <laughs> no. And, you know, James, speaking of excellent guy Hal banter... The, the very next page, like the page before they arrive at the big circle. Yeah. yeah. Like, like that whole page of them just talking back and forth, that's awesome. Like, I yeah. love that page. <laughs> it's, it's, it's wonderfully drawn and colored too, and it's just, it's, the dialogue is just right. We had old times? Eh, not so much. <laughs> he calls them the brave and the bold, and guy's like, well, if I'm both of those things, what are you? <laughs> It's just like, guy, shut up. <laughs> I love how Fernando Passarin draws these rings as being powerful. Because, like, like, whether it's just, like, the clean blast coming off of Hal in that bottom panel or the joint blast coming out of Guy, it just looks, it looks like, devastating. Until they have company. <laughs> um, with, the, uh, with the gauntlet and the, the first lantern thing. Yeah. Um... 
now, okay, they've been they've been setting this first lantern thing up for a while. It's nice of them to remind us. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we get like you know another little piece of information soon. But like right now, like we know that they have, we know that the guardians have somebody locked up in chains, very similar to the way that the indigo lanterns are chained up. And uh, we don't know who that is, but I mean, like we're guessing that's the the first lantern. Yeah, I think so. I'd assume so. If it's not, I mean, I, I think that that is the first lantern too. But um, the thing that I was was thinking about was, you know, if it's not that guy, then who would be the first lantern? Because you had the guardians going down a list of renegades, basically. You know, you had Krona, you had the first guardian, you had. Uh, what Sinestro and now Hal? Uh, I think so. I don't. I don't think there was anybody else in there. But uh, yeah, like if it's if it's not if it's not this mystery character that they have squirreled away somewhere. Like I was thinking, how how funny would it be if the first Lantern was Ganthet? Well, it can't be. But but why? Well, because in the one of those flashback panels where we saw, you know, the Guardians looking at the chained up silhouetted guy. Right. No, I'm it was like, yeah. It was like a present day it was a present day ish thing and one of the guardians was Ganthet dressed like he is in Green Lantern Corps. Right, no, what I'm saying is what if that person that they have chained up isn't the first lantern? Oh, 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 oh. Um that would make it, you know, possible. In which case, mm -hmm. like, it would be interesting because Supposedly, uh, Ganthet was friends with, you know, like close friends with Krona, you know, so... Well, the, but when they arrested Krona and Ganthet picked up the gauntlet, he's like, what's... He, like, he had never seen that before. I mean, I agree, like, it's gonna have to be... Hell, maybe it's Shed, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's gonna have to be somebody that we would recognize, otherwise there's no point in, bla in blacking it out every time they refer... To like like whether that's the first lantern or not, that silhouetted figure, that silhouetted figure has to be somebody we would either recognize specifically or in general. Otherwise, there's no point to blacking it out. Do we have any theories? I don't know. We talked about this before, and I don't think we got it anywhere. <laughs> I mean, like, like really, like who could it possibly be? Because conceivably, they were chained up then. And they're chained up now, you know, so, I mean, unless they escape for a little while. Hell, maybe they're going to open it up to another color, and it's just somebody with a different, like, this other color's entity in them or something. <laughs> maybe it's, uh, maybe it's Abin, sir. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be messed up. I can see him die again. <laughs> we better. That better be how every issue of that Flashpoint miniseries ends, with Abin dying <laughs> in a different way. Um, oh, speaking of Abin, sir, I was talking to somebody on Facebook the other day, and like it, it occurred to us, like you know, after all this, how awesome would it be if Abin, sir, ended up being like a bad guy? Because there's so much of his history we don't know, yet we do know he was like. He was great friends with Sinestro. 
and Sinestro doesn't really have have bones about showing what he was trying to do with his sector to other Green Lanterns he he trusts. So Avancer probably would have known about Sinestro's whole whole uh, rule with an iron fist of Korrigar. Plus, if, if Avancer is tied to the Indigo tribe somehow and the Indigo rings do take control of people, that might kind of line up there. I don't think so. And plus, think about, like, we, we really haven't seen why Sinestro respects Avancer so much either. It's like, like, Avancer is such a blank slate. Like, they could, it would be a nice, like, ha, gotcha kind of thing to do. <laughs> Maybe, well, I think it was more along the lines of, uh, well, I mean, for one thing, Sinestro was most likely married to Avancer's sister. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, it, most likely they were brother-in-laws. But, uh, I mean, aside from that, like, Abin Sir, they're telling us, was a history professor. I've had some evil teachers, trust me. But, <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is that if you're a history teacher, then one of, like, the key aspects to that is, you know, those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it. So, like, he has a very good look at what kind of um, what kind of systems of government and rulings and whatnot work and what doesn't? So, like, it, it could very well be that the reason that Sinestro has so much respect for Abin Sir is because he does such a, an amazing job with his core, with his uh, sector, but he doesn't use the same tactics that Sinestro does. Or he's evil. <laughs> yeah, or he's evil. Yeah. You watch. He's going to turn out to be a bad guy. You just watch. (laughs) Speaking of bad guys, do you think it was kind of overkill that he has all of the possessed guardians watching over the battery? I mean, I know the battery's kind of important to this whole plan, which, you know, we still don't actually know what the hell Crone's even doing, but the battery's important, so it makes sense he would want to protect it, but I would have thought he would have had better things for these guys to do. Well, I suppose I suppose he wants to keep them nearby so they don't start getting free of the influence and then fighting back. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean it. It makes sense that his top priority right now would be to, you know, get the few remaining people that could possibly stop him. Do we have any new theories on what Chrono's actually even doing? Considering the story arc's almost over and we still have no, <laughs> they haven't bothered us mention anything like that? Well, he... Oh, God. Um, yeah, I know. There's nothing. <laughs> he wants to take over the universe. That's what all the bad guys want. Oh, that's true. He wants one of a couple of things. Like, he either wants to make emotion, like... He, want, he either wants to flood the universe with emotion, or he wants to... I don't know, does he want to kill everything in the universe so that emotion can't take hold or something? Or No, he's he's pro-emotion. He wouldn't want to... He's pro-emotion. Yeah, I, I don't know. It has something to do with emotion in the universe and making everything better in his eyes. Uh, the only other note I have on this issue is how I'm... I'm... Swear to God, I'm 
officially sick of them bringing up the phrase Mogo doesn't socialize every <laughs> damn time we ever see Mogo. I don't care if it was the title of his first appearance or if Alamore wrote it. Stop saying it. <laughs> God damn you. Yeah. <clears throat> I, 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 I can get behind that. I agree. <laughs> that just like They'll have like a new spin on it every time, though. Yeah, huh. like even like this time, what does the guy say? He says, um, "Um, looks like Mogo wants to do more than socialize. He's oh. damn well trying to bless us to atoms." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly how he said it. <laughs> oh, the next storyline, it's like, "Looks like I'll be socializing with Mogo." Oh, <laughs> probably. Anybody else have anything for the issue itself? They should destroy Mogo. No. <laughs> Why would they do that? It'd be awesome if, like, they destroyed Mogo, and it turns out, like, there was a smaller planet inside him. It was, like, new Mogo. What? Awful idea. <laughs> I already, we already know that that can't happen with, uh, like, the Legion stuff. Oh, Legion of Superheroes? I'm familiar of, with them, yes. Mogo. Did they kill Mogo? Did no, they kill Mogo? no <laughs> Mogo exists in the future. Oh. So, they didn't destroy Mogo. Well, there's that, then. Wow. Spoiler spoiler alert for the future of Green Lantern Comics. Mogo stays (laughs) alive. 1,000 years in the future. (laughs) Now, last thing I wanted to touch on for these books. This is the first time... This is the first round of books of Green Lantern that's had the newly implemented letters pages. And, like, did either of you guys read these? I read one of them. Uh, I read... Oh, what about you, James? Uh, no, I didn't. Alright, I read these because, you know, I've, I've been I've been working through Mosaic on the side here, and one of the one of the highlights of that is, is the letters page, and, like, all that goes into it, and what comes out of it, and it's, it's part of the experience of the issue. So, I wanted to give this a fair shot, so I read the full letters pages, pages for all three issues, and there's just nothing there. Exactly. You know, it's like... <clears throat> like, the whole thing comes off almost like they're pandering to the audience because i mean i mean i think chad made a comment uh when other books started getting letters pages that they were only printing positive letters right you know maybe that's Mm -hmm. true for other books it's i found some like it wasn't just straight up good stuff in all of these like there were some like that sounded like rational like like these could (laughs) be message board discussion topics you know but like like people Throughout some of these, they were asking some good questions, but they weren't getting answered. Like, like you know, can we see Green Lanterns just do small stuff in, in and around their sectors? Or why does John never get used in a good, cool way? Or <clears throat> or what happened to Isamod and Vath? You know, they used to be headline characters in Green Lantern Corps, but they fell off the face of the earth. And, and you know, the, the, the letter writers pose these questions, and whoever is is responding to it, I think it was the editor and assistant editor, they just kind of go off talking about something else for a couple sentences. Or, <laughs> except in the one case, like, somebody asked if, somebody wrote in saying, like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if there was a, like, a Green Lantern the size of an ant or something? And they they took the time to explain, like, who Boozed is and a couple other, like, tiny Green Lanterns, but that was the closest you got to, like, actually addressing the questions people were asking, which... Yeah, but even in that response, it was... Yeah, it was like, you know, wouldn't it be great if there was a Green Lantern the size of a gnat? And they're like, well, let's tell you about, you know, buzzed. 
and uh, oh yeah, he you know he was in this story, and then he died and came back in black you know Blackest Night, and you can buy both those and trade now with you know mm. at blah 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 blah. Yeah, it's like there's lots in both of these that were like kind of kind of like advertising the product more than responding to fan letters. Yeah. <clears throat> and what really got me was how okay, they devoted two pages to this sort of. Because <laughs> like if they they had so much freedom, so much blank space and so much wasted space in here like just from a design perspective cuz okay, it's two pages. They're right next to each other. The first page has this this cover logo for, I guess, the next issue. This cover image right in the middle, so you have to kind of cram the letters around it. <laughs> and then the second page, the entire right half of the page is just, like, this spotlight ad for, for like, Superman trades. It's like you're not even giving, like, a full two pages to your two pages of letters. It's, it's like, what the hell? What are you even doing? Yeah. It's like, it's such, and and some people will say, like, okay, there's no place for letters pages in modern comic books because, you know, the online community does that. And I agree to an extent, but at the same time, I've seen contemporary comic books with letters pages that run with it and make it a worthwhile addition to the book. Yeah. <clears throat> but DC doesn't seem to want to do that. No, it's completely useless right now. That like all those reasons are why I didn't even read these letters because I've read a few in um, other books that have started putting them in and they're all the same. Like they're all there's just nothing to them, <laughs> you know. Dear DC, how come you guys are so great? <laughs> Dear DC, is is it ever is it? Do you ever get tired of waking up in the morning and realizing how awesome you are? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, dear DC. What would I do if I want to read more Green Lantern, not in comic book form? God. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, I mean, who knows? I, I wonder how long the push for their current letters pages will last. I don't know. I can't imagine many people paying too much attention to it. I'd say as long as the two ninety nine price point sticks. Because they've mean, got they, easy pages to fill. Yeah. I mean, if they wanted to, they could fill that with two extra pages of ad space. Even if it's just their own in-house stuff, because they're practically using it for in-house advertisement anyway. <laughs> yeah, really. Especially like half of half a page is dedicated just to trades, and then you have you know letters pages, which is you know you can go here to buy more of our stuff. It, it's like subliminal advertising. You probably wouldn't mind as much either if there were Green Lantern trades that yeah, would be an advertiser. Yeah. Why Superman trades like? And in one of them, it was uh, Batman trades. Uh, oh, well. Oh, well. Are we uh, are we good with all these books? I think we're done with them. So what have you got, Dan? What? Um, <laughs> well, something we've talked about off, off mic before is that we're going to be trying our hands at a kind of a year-end awards thingy for at the end of 2011, which that's this year, right? Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> Is that the official name? No, no, and we're not going to let Jim name it, because it'll be worse than that. Actually, I think we we have a name, but we'll keep it under wraps for now. We don't have a name. Yeah. Stop lying to people. We we definitely, okay, fine, fine. If we we don't have a name, and we're not keeping it under wraps, then shall I announce what we actually came up with for the name? 
you might as well, because you're just going to make something up now. <laughs> okay, the awards are the Lantern Cast Awards. I know, it's a, it's a stretch. And the awards that we're giving out are the MOGOs. If that helps you. <laughs> <laughs> there's, that is there's something whole... that we discussed. Yeah, you... You have a habit of just taking random ideas that we throw out there and making them official things that are part of our show. And now it's set in stone. Yeah, we have like six months. We'll 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 figure that. There there's a lot of things that are gonna be ironed out about this, but we're gonna throw this out there because the year's basically half over. So we wanted to give you guys time to kind of you know keep this in the back of your heads and just think about it as you've been as you do your reading and look back on what you've read. Um, <clears throat> the the award categories we have, and and it's not a big list, and if they seem kind of vague, that's by design. Uh, what we're looking at is best story arc, best single issue, best new or newer character, best villain, favorite use of a power ring, most, survi- <clears throat> most surprising reveal or twist, best splash page or multi-page spread, best slash coolest cover, most inspiring moment, and biggest disappointment. <laughs> now this can be, this can be from, and as long as it's Green Lantern related, or let's say Lantern related, you can pull from whatever. It doesn't have to be comics. It can be whatever media you like. Um, we're only going to be going with stuff that was, you know, was produced and put out there in the year 2011. So, you know, to give you an idea of kind of the, the range of how far back you can go, um, the first Green Lantern issue to come out in 2011 was, we believe, issue 62 of the regular series. Uh, 55 of the Green Lantern Corps series, and number 5 of Emerald Warriors. So you can't go... Like, if I was going to go for the best single issue, I really would like to put the Atrocitus issue of Green Lantern, but I can't because that was actually the last issue of 2010. So I can't go for that. But yeah, just keep that kicking around in the back of your head. We're going to still figure some stuff out. And, you know, the cutoff for this, I'm going to... I'm going to take a page from Comic Geek Speaks book and say, you know, the final Wednesday of this year, because you never know, like, anything could come out that day, you know? Whether it be, like, a Green Lantern issue that gets pushed back, like, like I don't know, if something unprecedented were to happen, like, all three books get delayed until the final Wednesday of the month or something. <laughs> or... You know, maybe maybe like a guest spot or cameo in another in another DC book, or maybe some piece of merchandise comes out that day. Who knows? So, so yeah, there you go. Keep that in your heads. Well, what if what if a like TV show came out on like the last Friday of the month? All right, the end of the month, whatever. But with comics, <laughs> it's gonna be with the with the comic stuff. It's going to be the last Wednesday of the month, just because that's when the last comics of the year come out. You know. What if you're living in Ireland? Nobody lives in Ireland. Oh, you're in Scotland. Shut up. What? What? <laughs> what? I'm sorry to have to break this to you, James, but you're really in Scotland and you're Scottish. I, I, you know what? I have been a bit confused lately. 
See? 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 Oh, man. Anyway. The geography and the hard drugs, but that's... Can, can I ask a question about one of those awards? What does new or newer character mean? Yeah. Like newer than what? <laughs> <laughs> like, like maybe they didn't debut this year, but they they debuted last year, kind of thing. Like, you know, I don't know. I think it was Jim's idea. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Blame that one on me. <laughs> like, like, I forget what year Larfleys first showed up, but. But if we were doing this the year after Larfleet showed up, he could probably, like, people could vote for him as best newer character. Because he hasn't been around that long, and he's their favorite, you know? Okay. Best, uh, biggest disappointment. I'm looking at you, Dan. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, we get to vote too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we, everybody... We're all we're all involved. We can do this too. This is, is going to be a fun thing to talk about, and we'll do like like an episode just about this, like early 2012. We should give ourselves <laughs> awards too. Oh yeah, that's yeah. We'll give ourselves an award for for most excellent Green Lantern podcast. <laughs> so that way we can put on our website award winning <laughs> Lantern Cast podcast. Not tell anybody that we were the ones that gave ourselves the award. Hey, we already got best in show for Super Show, so that's pretty good. <laughs> that's true. Do we get a ribbon, like a blue ribbon? No, no. I think that's why they told they uh they we found out the uh, third parties after leaving Pennsylvania, so they won't have to give us anything. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Jim. Yeah. Wasn't there a dealy thing that happened by the you know? <laughs> Nope. Oh. <laughs> James, did you see the new trailer? Ah! <laughs> I did. It just makes me want the film to be out now. <laughs> Every time I see a new trailer, it just annoys me because the film isn't out yet. Yeah. Because it gets me all excited and then I realize, oh god, I have another month or two months or whatever to wait. Does it come out at the same time for you? Yeah, I think it is, yeah, June 17th. That's good. I just saw it today. It better be at the same time. Sorry. <laughs> No, it's okay. I just saw today. I think uh, Edgar Rios he posted that um, uh, he's not getting. Or, or was it him? Somebody posted. I forget. Who yeah, it was yeah, now. it was Edgar. It's not yeah, coming that, to Puerto Rico. Yeah, it will not until like August or something. Yikes! That's, yeah, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, there's too much fear there. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. But this God, I wish because like. The way we have this mapped out, this episode is going to air, like, the week before the movie. <laughs> but, like, I, w- I wish it really was the week before the movie. Like, yeah. Because uh, that trailer, like, okay, the first trailer sucked. It was an awful trailer. Shut up. You know it's true. It was okay. <laughs> no, it wasn't. The second one, that was be- that was better, but that was, like, just, like, it was more just, like, footage of what we had already seen. This one, though, like, this one... With, like, the voiceover explaining the mythology of the core. This, this is, like, this is, like, awesome. Like, like, like. well, first of all, Jim, like, did you, because I know you kind of, you in the past, at least, you haven't wanted to get too much information about this movie going in. You just wanted to just take it in on the screen when you see it. Like, 
Like, what was your reaction to this thing? To the the trailer? Yeah, the new trailer. Um, I think I think it's very smart. Uh, you have the voice of Jeffrey Rush, who you know everybody loves basically right now, especially after the King speech. Um, so you know you have this like award winning voice, you know, doing the the voiceover and like very simple, you know, in simple terms that anybody could could pick up on. They give you the history of the Green Lantern Corps, you know, in less than a minute. So, like, you know, now all of a sudden you go into this and it's like, oh, okay, now I know what to expect. Um, You know, there's even more action, more constructs and everything like that, more Green Lantern aliens. It's a great trailer. It's really a a great trailer. After I've talked to people who were only, you know, so-so interested and then after watching the trailer, and also the trailer before this, because I believe this is the fourth trailer. The f- yeah, third or fourth. Between this one and the third trailer, where they actually started introducing, like, you know, he, him sword fighting with Sinestro, and mm. the scene with, you know, Kilowog knocking him down on his butt. Um, like, those trailers are really, you know, getting people psyched up. So now, now, now it's, it's go time, and, uh, you know, they're putting out some good stuff. There was one particular shot that I really loved of, of uh, Hal and Tomar flying over Oa. I don't know if you remember. It was just them flying over the surface of Oa, and it just looked fantastic. Like It was one of the shots. It just kind of sold me on how Oa looks in the film. Yeah, I like the like the the expressions and emotion you got off of Hal Jordan's face in this trailer. Because, like, when he's flying across Oa and he's just looking at it, he, like... You can see like this sense of wonderment in on his face, and like yeah. when he's kind of struggling towards the end of the trailer, you can you buy that he's like putting like a lot of himself into what he's doing, and like that like that right there. Like I'm still a little nervous about this this actor who I've only ever seen do comedy playing a serious role, but like <clears throat> like I'm starting to to think more like okay, you know what, he can probably do this. Did you ever see that Buried film he was in? No, I wanted to, but it was like, it was kind of like Blink and You Miss It, you know? It yeah. was out of theaters right away. That That's a very good example of him playing a serious role. He was he was great in that, I thought. I'll have to look for that. I keep forgetting that. I'm, I'm, I have such a short attention span for movies <laughs> to go see. Like, I might forget to go see this one. Who knows? But... <laughs> <laughs> well, what you call it? Uh, that that movie, The Proposal, with uh, Sandra Bullock, that was a, a pretty good display of you know serious acting. Yeah, let's just move <laughs> on from that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know it was supposed to be a comedy, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, does it count as a serious movie? Of all the jokes, nobody laughs at. <laughs> um, uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, Jim, you must have been grinning ear to ear when this trailer started off when they they called the green energy willpower the yellow energy fear and they even just for kicks threw in a mention of parallax being referred to as an entity whether that means what it means in the comics or not yeah um (laughs) the fact that they are going with the the willpower and the fear energies uh I, I I heard that and I'm just like oh thank God 
Because I was <laughs> I was fully expecting them to just say, you know, green, green? energy. Green element. Yeah. Come on, do it. Green element. <laughs> so put it in there. I mean like, the willpower concept just works so much better. And it opens the doors for everything else after that. Um the only thing that gave me slight hesitation was um because I don't know if it was in the trailers or I've also been reading some uh, some stuff online as far as you know uh, Reese's peanut butter cups have a like a website right now for all the Green Lantern characters or a bunch of them anyway. Oh, all the bios and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I was between reading that <laughs> and you know reading other things here and there. Um, I don't know. There was something mentioned about uh, parallax. Um, that, uh, like, I don't know, like, the entity, the like, it basically saying that the entities are not the way that we know them. Yeah, well, I, I'm not going into this expecting Parallax to be made of fear kind of thing, or the source of all fear, like, <clears throat> like, you could refer to any, any kind of ethereal being that's made out of energy as it to be like an entity like if something's made out of electricity it's an entity or if there's a ghost it's an entity you know i think it's they're just using entity as a word for this like otherworldly kind of energy-based thing like they might like i'm going to this prepared to see okay the parallax is just an alien it happens to eat fear that's what it does um smoke monster from lost (laughs) The the other thing was, um, oh yes, yeah. The other thing, then I think this is where I saw the the thing with parallax on the DC the source blog. They have like bios of um, Abin Sir, his ship, um, the ring, uh, a bunch of different things like to get people ready for the movie. I guess they gave his ship a biography. Yes. Yes, actually, they did. Why the hell? Really? Yeah. Did they really do that? Yeah, yeah. I saw that. They did. No way. Um, they definitely did. And what what's really that? weird about it is, like, it's they're describing it as the comic bio. Like, it literally says, you know, you know, Abin Sir, a comic bio, or something, you know, to that effect that makes you think that it's taken directly out of the comic book. And then it goes on to basically tell you everything that happens, you know, in the movie and not the comic at all. Like, it starts off that he's a history professor. Like, I, I've never heard that about Abin Sir before. I, I mean, it, it's it's fine, but, you know, like, to pull that, that little nugget of information... I, I I don't I don't know where they would pull that from the comic books, and if the, even if they did, that's a, a highly obscure, you know, fact to pick up on. Whereas it's most likely in the movie, so they took it right from there. And even like other aspects of his origin and whatnot are, uh, as far as I can see from trailers and and you know, advanced you know information and whatnot, it's it parallels the movie. Like far more than the you know the actual comic, so it's it's just odd that they would refer to that as the comic bio. Well, something I wonder is like because 
superhero movies kind of retroactively influence the comics they're based on, no matter what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And since Jeff Johns is working on both, <clears throat> like, are there going to be like, like he, he he's obviously been building for a while to to giving us more backstory on Abinster in the comics. So, are we going to be getting stuff in the movie that? he was planning on putting into the comics anyway, you know? Or are they going to add things to the comics to help justify things in the movie? I think that's more likely, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, the first and foremost, uh, one of the things that, the one, the like, the biggest thing that mm-hmm. sticks out to me um, between the trailers to the comic book is the fact that in the movie, they make a really, really big deal that Abin Sur is, like, one of the, the greatest Green Lanterns ever. You know, like, basically second only to Sinestro. Now, in the comic, okay, Sinestro, you know, was widely regarded as the best Green Lantern out there. But, I mean, Abin Sur, like, you know, people revered him or whatever, or looked up to him or whatever, but it was never really, you know, played up as, you know, the second greatest Green Lantern in the universe. Well, Abinster's also not there. Because, like, I mean, if, if you still got Sinestro running around making trouble for people, he's in your face constantly, so it's going to come up a lot that, yeah, this guy, he used to be the greatest Green Lantern ever. Whereas, you don't have problems with Abinster. He's not that, like, it, it's... Even if it's retconned in, like, it wouldn't have come up all that much to begin with. Um... Right? But I, I don't necessarily believe that, because we've had enough interactions with Sinestro and Hal that Sinestro would absolutely bring it up and shove it in Hal's face that, you know, he took over for, you know like, the second greatest Green Lantern in the universe, and then he's not measuring up to his standards, you know, by a long shot, because he was so great. Well, I mean, look at Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan himself used to be, like, the greatest Green Lantern ever, and how often does that even come up? Well, now, nowadays, it doesn't come up because, you know, they want to keep emphasizing, you know, Sinestro was the greatest. Yeah, like, in, like, the let like... Not since Hal came back has that reference even really been made. So it's like, okay, that can be a part of... <clears throat> and the days when he was, like, the greatest Green Lantern ever, that's still continuity for this character. That's still part of the series. But even though he was, they don't talk about it. I mean, like, the other thing is, with Abin Sir, like, he died because he lost his confidence. Oh, there's a bunch of reasons why he died. Yeah. Where you look. But I mean, you know, looking at it from the, you know, um, from, well, look at Tigers. You know, he goes, he finds out about the prophecy, and after that he's like second-guessing himself <laughs> until he dies, you know, relying on a ship and not his ring. So, I, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, we, with a character like that, is it, you know, is it really 
apropos to call him one of the greatest Green Lanterns if he relied, you know, so much on other things other than his ring. Just because you falter right before you die doesn't negate the rest of your career. But he didn't, he didn't, it's not that he faltered right before he died. He was obviously, like, for a while, like, he was faltering. And he didn't trust, you know, the full full charge of his ring. Yeah, and how long was that compared to his total service? Like, even if, even if the last, like, ten years of his service in the Green Lantern Corps was spent on, like, this downward, downward spiral that led to his death, ultimately, as long as he was one of the greatest Green Lanterns at one time, you can still look back and call him one of the Green, greatest Green Lanterns. Even though like, he was just kind of, like, sitting on his laurels for the last ten years? Yeah, that doesn't take away what he did before that. Like, it's the same thing, like, like you'll see in in stuff like, like, <clears throat> like a, this is probably an awful example, but, like, you'll see, like, a really, like, bad character that you just hate, and, like, they'll pass away. And then you'll see other characters go to their funeral to pay respects and, like, say nice things about them. And I will, every time I see a scene like that in anything, whether it's in a movie or on TV or whatever, I always think to myself, well, no, because... Not to sound mean, but, like, the fact that they died doesn't take away who they were when they were alive. It's, it's, they still, everything they still, they did before what led to their death is still, like, that still counts. That still happened. Yeah. Yeah, okay. This was such a cool trailer. I wish, (laughs) like, it's, it's like that, it's like that, uh, Entertainment Weekly cover. Like, they put that out, and people thought the, the uniform was going to be completely green and not look anything like anything. And it turned out that's not what it looks like, but they had to put that out for San Diego because that's all they had and the timing was right. And like the first trailer they put out, it was like kind of generic and nothing was really fully done yet. And I guess they couldn't put out a trailer early, a better trailer that soon because they didn't have the effects or anything done yet. So like, I wish it like, I would love to to see on Earth 2, you know, where they 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 um, gave themselves more lead time for the effects. What would fan reaction have been if this was the first Green Lantern movie trailer? Because there's still people out there who say who are like like going, I'm not expecting anything good from this movie based on like what they've been seeing starting with that trailer. So, like, it planted, like, a lot of negative seeds in people's heads. I don't know where they would go from this current trailer. I mean, like, it's such a great trailer, like, anything that comes out after it, I, I can't imagine being that much better of a trailer. Eh, then just keep this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Have either of you seen any things on TV first? Any, like, trailers or whatever? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah? So the first TV spot I saw was at Super Show, actually, in the in the hotel room. And I had to walk out because Jim called me saying, hey, come downstairs and see us. So this jerk interrupted it. But, <laughs> but uh, no, actually, this past week, like the past couple of days, I saw I saw one once or twice. And it was kind of a... Um, I forget what all was that. Like, I think it was like an abridged version of this without the voiceover in the front. Like, 
Like I know we saw like the the car the construct car driving at us and we saw like the the anti aircraft guns. I don't remember. I've seen I've seen this clip so many times I don't remember if I saw it on TV <laughs> or not. <laughs> See, like I've seen a lot of people on the internet or whatever like giving out about the marketing is starting too late and stuff. But I like I still haven't seen any of those adverts on TV over here because over here. Like you never see adverts on telly until like maybe a week or two weeks before a film comes out. Hmm. So it's kind of the norm over here not to see adverts or trailers or anything. <clears throat> and like, and films don't fail when they come over here or anything like, just because they haven't had any advertising. Maybe we should be doing it that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like the, the sooner you put information out there, the more time people have to hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when the film's not ready to show a trailer, like. Like yeah. it wasn't when the first trailer came out. Like I remember saying myself, like <clears throat> like a few months ago, when like like the all right, we're we're getting close to the release date and and we haven't seen much of anything about this movie. Is this a good sign? I don't know. But at the same time, like like we probably would have gotten better quality stuff, like promotional stuff, if they actually waited even longer. Mm. Are we good? I think so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, if you want to contact us, you can do so at lanterncast at gmail.com. Uh, you can go to our website, lanterncast.com. We have links to our forum and Facebook page and our Twitter. Uh, there's our RSS feed and gallery. Uh, you can go on mm-hmm. iTunes and subscribe to us there. Leave us a review. And uh, if you want to leave us a voicemail... We have that awesome new voicemail number, 708-LANTERN. Just spell out the letters for lantern and leave us a message. You don't know what numbers they are. I don't have to. All I have to do is spell out lantern. (laughs) That's why I wanted that number, so I don't have to remember what the numbers are. It'd be nice to tell the people what they are. (laughs) L-A-N. No, they know that part. T E R N. Seven zero eight starts it off. Yeah. What about oh. people who are using those old phones where you have to like spin the dial around? They don't have the letters on them. They're probably not listening to a podcast. <laughs> True. <laughs> if you're hey. if you're trying to call us and leave a voicemail with a rotary phone, then chances are you uh, you don't even know what a podcast is. You think a podcast? has to do with, like, using a net to get green beans. <laughs> wow. Hey, do we have a voicemail message recorded for people when they call in so they know they got the right number? Um, I think we have something, yeah. You have no idea. You have no idea at all. <laughs> I, I'm pretty confident that we have something. You, you would have been the one who did it. I'm pretty confident that by the time this episode goes... There's nothing. There is not something. a damn thing. <laughs> not a damn thing. Uh, tell them about the forum. Yes. I just checked. Apparently, apparently James agrees with Lauren. <laughs> yes, and apparently you wouldn't buy a projector ring even for just $5. Those things are shit. Come on. They're actually awesome. So stupid. I love mine. Yeah, yeah. I'm using it right now. Great. Let's let's say other things we can't prove. I'm driving to Vegas as we speak. Wait, wait. I want you to listen to 
Listen to this. You hear that? Yes. That's me clicking the button for my ring. I'm projecting the Green Lantern symbol on my ceiling right now. Oh, okay. Well, that that proves it, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Okay, and on that note, um, I guess we're out. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Good night. Goodbye.